Greetings and salutations. You've successfully arrived at the bloody disgusting network. Coming up next is something indescribable, tantalizing, and mind-numbing. Enjoy. Do we know what we've named this thing yet? We're on round four. Gotta figure this out. <laughs> Maybe that's the last episode. Maybe that's yeah. the big one of the big. That's, that's the big the reveal. Big, the, the big, big reveal. Not the everyone's actual, final team. So <laughs> the actual name the actual to the show. Name of the show. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, everybody, for joining us for round four of the yet-to-be-named Halloween movie draft spectacular. See, by the time they listen to it, though, we'll have named it. They maybe know that. Maybe. Uh, maybe. <laughs> big big maybe. If you see if you see it come up on your feet a bunch of question marks, you know it's this show. For me, the excitement has kind of turned to nervousness now. I'm scared. It's Last tense. week I was so pumped. This week, very nervous. I'm almost relieved. Well, no, I'm not relieved. But to be go I wish I was going first, god damn it. But <laughs> Now I got to sweat this out, but I don't have to sweat it out as much as Judder Frank. So that makes me a little happy. Dude, I'm sweating. <laughs> yeah. So I only got one shot. I only same, have one prepared. Same stipulation as last week. If yeah. it, my movie gets picked, I'm fucked. We're leading off with John. Oh, this is where I sweat. This is where I get scared. <laughs> please, God, please be oh, merciful. Dude, I have so many tabs open right now. And because I have one. I only have one. If I sign out after this pick, you know what happened. (laughs) This was the hardest pick. The first three picks, easy. Didn't have to think about it. And because I know my last pick is going to be there. So I feel like this is is the toughest pick. There's a couple ways I could go. But guys, Uh if there's one thing about living in Santa Carla I can never stomach, it's all the damn vampires. Oh, that's sick. Oh, Chris is. Oh, Chris no. is very upset. Visibly you upset. You got Chris. I think. You mother. <laughs> fucker. Oh. That was it. Oh, no. That was what I had. That was it. No way. Oh, I'm so. Dude. Guys, I'm sorry, but I'm going to have to be very quiet during this because I have to scramble. <laughs> There's going to be paper flying all over his screen. Oh, you should have saw. To the people at home. You had to see his face. He looked like Burt Reynolds at the Oscars that he didn't win for Boogie Nights. Only worse. Oh. Fuck. Damn. <coughs> it was tragic. From 1987. Oh, yeah, I know what it's from. <laughs> Michael and Sam have just moved to Santa Carla, California. They're about to discover its secret. Notice anything unusual about Santa Carla yet? No, it's a pretty cool place. If you're a Martian or a vampire. Get yourself a good, sharp steak. 
Drive right to his heart. You're a vampire, Michael. My own brother, a damn blood-sucking vampire. Oh, you wait till Mom finds out, buddy. When a vampire buys it, it's never a pretty sight. Michael, they're coming! Oh, <laughs> a big movie called The Lost Boys. Oh, directed by Joel Schumacher, written by Janice Fisher, Jeffrey Bohm, James Jeremias, score by Thomas Newman. The cast. The cast. <laughs> you ready for the cast? Fucking Feldog, <laughs> goddammit. He's got Feldog. <laughs> Jason Patrick, Diane Wiest, Corey Haim, Corey Feldog oh. Feldman. Kiefer Sutherland, Jamie, I can't spare a square Gertz, <laughs> Bill from Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. I mean, good lord, I just fucking love this movie. It's so much fun. It's one of the most fun movies. Again, we we're back to eighty-seven. What is genuinely it heartbroken? <laughs> I know, dude. So many. I gotta quote. First, so- let me preface this by saying, my parents got divorced when I was a kid. I have one sibling. It's an older brother named Michael. So even if this movie wasn't amazing, I like I'm still programmed to love it. This is when like it's funny when Joel Schumacher got announced as Batman Forever. This is the movie everybody pointed to. It's like where he might take it stylistically. I'm back to Batman. What the hell just happened? We know. Listen, the notes in every episode has been how much does Frankie love Batman? I put it in every episode. What happened? Wow, that was crowbarred in. But they talk. They... Guys, let me tell you about Batman. Because <laughs> uh, I don't know where to, I don't know how to continue, but I'll try anyway. So Schumacher, because he did such an amazing job with atmosphere. Like there's some really very dreamy atmosphere in this movie. Like this is his most stylish movie, I'd say. I mean, it's a one of one. It's an adventure horror movie. We were talking about. American Werewolf, how it's it's a horror comedy, but it's really a horror comedy. This is an actual blend of different genres, and we'll talk about this. But this this has been ripped off, not just film, but like TV. The idea of of blending all these genres together to feel cool and hip. Mm. I mean, this is the first one that really nails it. People try to replicate it all the time, but you can't replicate this specific era of filmmaking because it's so sincerely 80s. Oh, Chris is just Chris is crying. I know. I feel so bad. <laughs> this is just total. I don't even hear anything that's going on right now. I'm in total panic mode. He's like he's like Uma Thurman and Kill Bill when she just sees red. Chris I just was... angrily deleted all the notes of my of my computer. As you were talking, John, I saw I kept looking over at Chris, and all I see is him looking. It looks like he's watching the fastest world's fastest tennis match. His eyes are going back and forth like crazy, scrambling. Oh. I mean, it's yeah, it's a gorgeous film. It's so uh, great. I love this movie. It's an orgy of some of my favorite 80s movies. It's Goonies, it's Monster Squad, it's yeah. Breakfast Club, it's Near Dark. But the blend mm. is perfect. And and so many things now. Uh, today, when I see them try to blend genres, it feels so forced and fake. This is just so of the moment. Like there's an unintentional entertainment value to this that you just can't replicate. Is that? And it's in- infinitely rewatchable. It, it's so much. It's a fun movie. And what a cast, dude. Edward Herman. We keep forgetting about Edward Herman. I mean, I'm, so, yeah. I'm sorry, Gilmore Edward Girl Herman. fans. 
Edward Herman is amazing in this film. And Diane Weiss is like an actress I grew up watching and didn't realize till I she's great until I was a teenager. It's like, oh, she's one of the greatest actresses who ever lived. Like, and she's so good in this. Uh, Coming off a of best supporting actress for Hannah and her sisters. Yep. That's where she was in her career. But she's great because if that mom isn't sweet and believable, she's such a she's the balance to this movie mm-hmm. in a way because she's so good. And she's such a good sweetheart to have to kind of anchor some other stuff. Again, that's why this cast is so great. It's this be- it's this perfect balance of, of personalities. Was was this Joel Silver produced this? It seems like a Joel Silver film. Chris, no, do you know that one? I, I do. God damn it. <laughs> Richard Donner. Richard Donner produced it. So because he was originally, he was originally going to direct it. Huh. Interesting. Probably tied up with uh, Lethal Weapon at that point. Well, he actually uh, took Lethal Weapon. Because this. Of this this got held up so much, so he went and did Lethal Weapon, uh, but stayed on as producer. So was he the one who said, listen, I work with this kid. His name is Feldog. <laughs> <laughs> He's, but there's an, there is another. There's another Corey out there. If we put these two together, I have a feeling sparks are going to fly. And decades <laughs> later, they're still a flying. This is their this first... Is, uh, the first um, uh, connection was this movie. Well, if you ever watch the, the Lifetime TV movie, A Tale of Two Corys, like I have multiple times, you know <laughs> that they met for this film and their parents took him to the beach. I know the whole origin story. Don't get me started. No, please. I, please get, a, get started. Frank, this is, this, I mean, this is your moment in a way. I mean, oh. I know it's, it's all of us, but well, I feel like this, having this floor to talk Feldog for a minute. Oh, this is some big Feldog lore here. So... <laughs> He was supposed. He wanted the lead, and he was annoyed because he's like, "There's this other, there's this other Corey out there." I'm totally ripping off the bonfire on Sirius XM, Crackle Crackle, because this is where a lot of my Corey Feldman knowledge comes from. But I've done my own independent research because I, I'm, I am very enamored with the man. So they met on the beach. Their parents had a football. They uh, had him play football together and just hang. It was like a meet cute, and uh, they discovered they had. So Corey, okay. So Corey Haim is wearing this uh, chain that says two 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 on it. Corey Feldman asks him, "Why do you have that?" It's a number me and my dad uh, are fans of, and I forget the reason why. And Corey Feldman, in in his book Choreography, describes how choreography. Wait, yes. say the title again, one more Chore- time. The title is called Choreography. Got it. He had a passing in- interest in numerology. His favorite number is two two. Because uh, it's considered the master builder number or something else weird. Their numbers were so close. It's like, wait, you have two two two. I have two two. We're both named Corey. Oh, this is <laughs> this is actually word for word. Like, uh, you you like two two. I like two two two. We're both named Corey. We're both Jewish. We're both actors. Dude, we're gonna take over Hollywood. Like, they, they, it's something like that. I I think I got it wrong at the end. I used to have it memorized. <laughs> <laughs> but. This was their first meeting, and uh, I know this is controversial to say, but I think th- this is the best use of best use of the chorus. Hundred percent. Oh, I think so. Yeah. All kidding aside, they had amazing chemistry on screen together. Like they really did. Like it's like wow, that's like like no joking. They were great together. I don't even remember the other Frog Brothers' name. That's <laughs> part of why I love this movie. Is because the other Frog Brother is. Well, first of all, the fact that the Frog Brothers don't look alike, the fact that they're called the Frog Brothers, the fact that they're genuinely badass. I mean, the, the whole conceit of those characters is so great. Can we talk about the soundtrack? Mm. Horror movies 
we've talked about this a little already, how most of them have scores. <laughs> Some of them have jingles. Even Werewolf, which kind of has a soundtrack, there's there's a theme to it. This has like an actual rock and roll fucking awesome soundtrack. That first scene, uh, when Cry yeah. Little Sister comes on, oh. and we're flying over the water. Oh, get the fuck out of here. Cry Little Sister. That's like as fucking cool as it gets. Not even just for a horror movie. All the hair on the body stands up yep. in that first scene. The the music is so perfect, it's and so, it's it so taps into why this movie is genuinely great and cool, sincerely cool. Be one of us. Yeah, when, uh, when Jason Patrick drinks out of the bottle, that is one of the most amazing electric sequences in film. I don't care what oh. anybody says, because you hear that those drums kicking. You're like, oh boy, shit's about to jump off. Michael, 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 Which for a horror movie has not happened before. Yeah. So oh. to, to have it, that's like, it's like punk rock horror movie. And we talked about this little, I think, Judd, you said uh, the Nightmare on Elm Street, how, how, the, how the high school kids were actually cool. Yeah. If the vampires aren't cool and they aren't legitimately scary, it, it doesn't reach the heights that it reaches. I have, to, I have to be scared of them, which I am, and I have to think they're cool. And they just, the crew that they got, Sutherland is perfect. I, I have to believe that this crew is actually terrorizing this town, but but in a cool way. And they pull it off. And it's like, again, this has been ripped off a million times, but not, it's not, it still hasn't been done like this. Jamie Gertz. Yikes. Oh, I can't I spare a square. She's a... Uh, she, she, no, but I mean, I was in love with her after this movie. I mean, she is just, just as gorgeous as it gets. It's got like it, dude. Like if you're a teenager in 1987, this must have been your movie, because like this was a great movie to take a girl to because it's got oh, everything. Yeah. It's got very, it's got very like overheated teen romance. It's got it's got a little bit of everything. Well, let, let's. I mean, the soundtrack again. So much of my love for this movie is the soundtrack. The what? It's like the second scene. You get the people are strange cover. Cover, yeah. People are strange when you're a stranger. Faces look ugly when you're alone. Women seem wicked when you're unwanted. Streets are under when you're down, when you're strange. I mean, fucking the doors, like they have the poster of Morrison so in the in the cave. Yeah. This movie is so cool. I, it's like you can't, I can't compare it to anything else. Yeah, it really sets the scene of, like, it really tells you, like, what this town is. It's kind of like a post-60s 
hip this place used to be big with hippies yes <laughs> and yes it's it was big with the love generation and it's kind of gone into you know like they love comparing and contrasting how things have gotten 80s was a great decade to compare with how things had shit shitty things have gotten people <laughs> love comparing it's like now we're in the 80s and it's kind of shitty yeah <laughs> i also it's love the setting of like a sleepy beach town gorgeous right it perfect setting for this kind of vibe that's yeah. slowly becoming my favorite atmosphere on for any for anything but generally horror that kind of just a sleep because now that I've, I've moved and i'm sort of close to like a boardwalk town mm -hmm. like i'm maybe five minutes from it every time i'm there i'm like there's just an undertone of creepiness to this like everyone's so happy but everything is so fucked up and so dingy looking as well it just makes the perfect setting especially for this oh, when you right. have when you have vampires so there's yeah, that vibrant right. nightlife. So it makes sense that they would oh, actually yeah. love to live there. Now that I'm thinking about it, is this movie like a critique of that love generation? Because it's just like they are the the children of that atmosphere, and it's just become they've just become selfish, hmm. uh, selfish, self obsessed, sociopathic, mm -hmm. and. I don't know. I'm just thinking out loud because I'm like, wow, because it's it's I never thought about how like, yeah, it feels like in a 60s because the, the grandpa is like clearly somebody who partied up back in the day. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, he's still he's hot. He seems like he's high half of the movie. Yeah, who uh, the grandfather shout out is amazing in this movie. He's great. Every moment. He's great. Great lines throughout the movie by grandpa. I used to think he was crazy for collecting TV guides. But <laughs> I have the George Kazan, the Kurtz, and anytime I come by some old TV guides, I keep them. I didn't realize. <laughs> well, yeah, Frank Costanza did it too. So how crazy can it be? Yeah. <laughs> the, the fact that we can do best musical scenes. We've already done two. Number three, Lost in the Shadows, when Jason Patrick is racing the vampires through the black, foggy desert. Oh, yeah. Fucking. Yeah, Chris goes, yeah, yeah. it's really, really kind of really, cool. It's really a great pick, John. <laughs> and, and okay, last uh, best musical scene. Arguably the best scene of an 80s movie, maybe a movie ever. I still believe the saxophone concert oh. that basically kicks off the movie. It's like the Godfather christening montage in this for best scene ever, I think. <laughs> he's still Huge out there. Guy. He still does it. Like you could yeah, hire uh, him. Oh yeah. And he's got I'd like hire him. Yeah, he's like got old he's got like buff uncle bod. Yeah. He's got a beer gut, but he's still his arm heavy. Yeah, he's, yeah and he's, he can still pound <laughs> yeah. that sax like nobody's business. Tim Capello. Tim Capello. That's the gentleman's name. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you look up 1980s in the dictionary, you'd see a picture of this scene. Yeah. Uh Flatliners, was that next from him? I want to say that's yes. What, I think that's 90. 
Yeah, I think that's not, well. I know. Yeah, it's so. What is this? Eighty seven, nineteen ninety. This is eighty seven. Yeah, not bad. Flatliners. I from what I remember, I remember it's kind of. It's kind of cool. It's kind of. Cool. I've revisited. Great. It's kind of cool. And a great cast again. Holy shit! Did that yeah. guy have an eye for casting? Yeah. He did say Elmo's Fire before this. Oh, uh, okay. Mm, I think that that's eighty five. Yeah, eighty five. And I give you a couple of options for best scene. You don't have to beat me, Michael. You just have to keep up. That's when Patrick is racing them. Yeah. And that's kind of when he becomes part of the crew. Okay, that's number one. Number two, when the Corys meet. Notice anything unusual about Santa Carla yet? No. It's a pretty cool place. If you're a Martian. Or a vampire. Are you guys sniffing old newsprint or something? You think you really know what's happening around here, don't you? Well, I'll tell you something. You don't know shit, buddy. Yeah. You think we just work in a comic book store for our folks, huh? Actually, I thought it was a bakery. This is just our cover. We're dedicated to a higher purpose. We're fighters for truth, justice, and the American way. The start of the dynasty. It's like De Niro and Pacino getting heat. I mean, that, that's the level of caliber of this, of this scene. It's historic. Number three, when Jason Patrick babysits Corey Haim. Mike, what happened? Nanook. What about Nanook? What'd you do to my dog, you asshole? Nothing. I didn't hurt him. He bit me. This is my blood. Why'd he bite you, Mike? Huh? What would you do to him? He was protecting you. Look at your reflection in the mirror. You're creature of the night, Michael. Just like out of a comic book. You're a vampire, Michael. My own brother, a goddamn shit-sucking vampire. That's very funny. And Corey um, finds out his brother is a vampire. My brother's mm -hmm. a vampire. And it ends with him brothers. saying, you wait till mom finds out about this, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my favorite scene is literally the last shot. It's the greatest punchline in film history, I'd say. One of the greatest punchlines. One thing I couldn't stand about this town is the goddamn the damn vampires. vampires. <laughs> I mean, what an amazing punchline. Yeah. Like, whoa. Like, it makes yeah. the hair on the it's back like, of my neck stand. Yeah. Like, I remember watching that, and, like, I got the chills from that. It's like, wait, what? Wow. What a great... That is a good pick, dude. Jesus Christ. That comic book that uh, the, he gives them at the beginning is still in that comic book shop on the pier there. Get out. They have it framed, and if you want to just go and take a picture with it, they just let you do it. A company actually print, like, actually produced... Uh, you could buy that comic now. Like, you Yeah. Know. Yeah, that's, it was a made-up comic. That, that line yeah. doesn't exist. There's no exposition. We just dive right into the movie. Patrick meets the vampires really early on. We, we get the vibe of the family quickly. There's no, there's no wasted breath. The reveal of the boyfriend being, of the mom's boyfriend being the fucking like, head vampire. Oh, it's great. Oh, that's great. It's, great. Oh, it's like, but, holy shit, what? What a yeah. great fake-out, too. Like, they, yeah, right. They, they tricked my ass. It's just yeah, like, I didn't see that coming. Right, he what? does not seem like he's everything they're not. He's a buttoned up. He's he doesn't fit in the town. Like everybody's right. kind of it's a very bohemian setting and he's this buttoned up bookish type. And it's like he doesn't fit in any of this, but meanwhile he's set like he's basically set off the whole culture of this town. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. The vampire POV shots is so inventive mm. and cool. And it's just a smart way to I'm, I'm well, there's a practical effect too of saving money. But it's such a great, the thing is always scarier in your head. So if you just have the camera zoom down onto people as they're terrified, that's so much better than showing anything. So you lead off with that and then you bring it back again. So that the, this isn't best scene, but you know, when we were talking about like, what is a horror movie? What's not? 
this is one of the few ones I brought up because with the exception of the vampires feeding scene, this is a pretty low-key fun movie. But yes. if you don't have the scene of them feeding, it's not a great classic movie. That that's yeah. like the dude's rug. Like it ties the whole thing together and it makes it like a real right. horror because that move that scene is brutal. Yeah. They, and you know what always freaked me out? The way they hung on to the top the top of the cave with their toes. Yeah. That always freaked me out. I don't know why. <laughs> that just upset me, that image as a kid. <laughs> Garlic don't work. <laughs> <laughs> Garlic don't work, boys! Try holy water, death breath! That's so much fun. Like, that's such a fun, uh, water guns with holy water. Like, how much yeah. fun? It's like, an, like, this is like a fun movie. It's like, shit, I don't think I'd ever seen that before. Anybody even thought of that. It's like, wow, what a cool idea. Uh, I'm next? No, no, we're not done yet. Not I done. mean, I could go and I, I have at least another 90 minutes if that's okay. Oh, go nuts, dude. <laughs> All right, Frank, is this the best Feldman performance? Because he's doing like a Sylvester Stallone accent and it's it's like bliss. If we're talking, well, we got to how we classify Feldog performances. It is natural. It's your heart, whatever your when number one He's going one is. naturalistic. I'd say his best performance is in the Burbs. Okay. That's, That's his most natural. Speed the dude. Yeah. Speed <laughs> dude. Um, as far as his more theatrical output, oh, this kills it. It's this and then rock and roll high school forever is his second best performance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'd say this is the best. It's definitely, um, this is what made Corey Haim a star. He's all charisma in this film. Uh, and Jason yeah. Patrick. Jason Patrick, man, had a fucking run from this movie. It made stars out of a lot of these people. Well, yeah, it's interesting because uh, so Haim does Lucas, I think, two years prior. So that's kind of his I think that's his big jumping off point. Yeah. But this is almost a better performance because he's I don't know. I just feel like he's he has to do more here. Yeah. That's a, that's just more that's more sentimental laden. This is more of a fun. He needs to he needs to balance the comedy. It's more on his shoulders here. It shows how he's got actual solid comic chops. Yes, because he's, he's legitimately he, funny. He's legitimately funny. He nails those moments. Uh, it's a shame he couldn't. Uh, if you remember the show, the the two Corys, the the uh, the semi scripted reality show they were both in, they talked about how they were trying. He was not told he was going to be in part two, and they actually eventually shot a cameo at the end of the film with him, setting up part three that he would actually be a vampire because he's a vampire at the end of part two. Corey Feldman, the Feld dog's like, I'm going to take you down. <laughs> <laughs> but unfortunately. <laughs> Before they could shoot that, uh, he passed, he he left us. Kiefer Sutherland's brother is the villain in the second. Most is it really movie. like the yeah. in, oh, wow. in real life or in the real character? life? No, it's really? in real life. Yeah, oh, that's kind of cool. I I don't know if it is actually. It's either the second, <laughs> either the second or third one. One of them, the the main vampire bad guys, Kiefer Sutherland's R.I.L. brother. I'd say he was going to make him a star, but it just fortified because he had just done Stand By Me the year before that. And he was well on his way to being a star, Keith Sutherland. Yeah, but, Schumacher talks about how great Sutherland was. He just came in and just nailed it right away. Yeah, oh, the menace. Just such menace. Like, he, he was so scary when he was a young kid. Like, him and... So scary. And that and then... Dude, Stand By Me. I'd be afraid to fuck with that guy now. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, he wasn't like, fucking around. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's a sociopath. Like he was yeah. really good at that shit. 
back. I don't know. Well, I don't know who else pulls off either Stand By Me or Lost Boys besides Sutherland to have that real menace, but to be cool to, and like to want to hang out with, but be scared of. I mean, I don't know what the list is of guys who pull that off. Oh, those maggots. <laughs> maggots, Michael. You're eating maggots. How do they taste? <laughs> Leave him alone. <laughs> oh, God. That always fucked me up. White rice, I couldn't look at white rice for years after that. So Jason uh, Patrick uh, initially hesitant to do the vampire movie, but Schumacher convinced him over time. And Patrick was actually instrumental. This is from Sutherland. Sutherland says, uh, Jason Patrick was instrumental in not only shaping the story, but also of hiring Jamie Gertz. She had done, what's it called right before this? Uh, the movie with RDJ and James Spader. Less than zero. Uh, less than zero. So she was another, like, cla- like they didn't, they, she was, they were hiring classy actors. They weren't like schlock actors. Like they were just saying, who's a really good up and coming actor? Like Jason Patrick is a solid, like he, he had a good eye for casting, man. Yeah, this is a great, I mean, this is a, for an 87, this is a great cast. Yeah, stacked cast. A veteran, like really good veteran character actors and the best of the best young talent. And we talked about how great Weast is, too. Yeah, she's she's always she's always great. Like if you ever want to watch one of the my favorite performance from her is in the show In Treatment. Mm. And she if she's unbelievable in that show, you go, oh, she's one of the best actresses ever. And in Synecdoche, New York, she's also great. in. Oh, yeah, she is great. Uh, I'm officially putting Nanook. I know we've talked about dogs before, but I'm putting oh, his so performance good. up there. Yeah. And the protector, too. For a second, we think Jason Patrick's really going to, like, devour his brother. And then Nook is just, like, frantically staring at the door. Just like, if this dude fucking comes in here, I'm going to go at him. This is so much fun. The train scene where they're hanging under the, the bridge. Oh, uh, yeah. That's an iconic fucking oh. Im- image of them dangling from the bridge. Beautiful stuff. Come on down! (laughs) 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 Welcome aboard, Michael! (laughs) Fun, man. Of course, Lost Boys, an allusion to Peter Pan. Peter Pan, right. So 33rd highest grossing film of 1987. Again, the influence of this movie to mix genres in a fun way. I I see it everywhere now, and it never looks fun. And this movie just, it just nailed it. I love it. Chris, I'm sorry. I still consider you family. I hope we can get through this. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, this movie's responsible for a lot of the vampire tropes that are common, like, now like buffy the vampire slayer arguably wouldn't exist without the lost boys no, hmm. no way Mm-mm. and then you think about how many things have ripped off buffy so it's just right it's like it's like you know because like really before the lost boys the vampires kind of had the same kind of a like look about them they were always like 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 your typical like dracula's like, t- like dapper kind of hey come in and have a bite 
<laughs> it was this in the double whammy of this and near dark where they went yeah. from gothic to more right. uh more like modern these are like looks. grungy kids that yeah uh jeffrey bohm you said like was one of the co-writers he wrote a lot of cool stuff he wrote uh lethal weapon 2 i think he did three and four maybe uh and he also co-created getting back to bruce campbell the adventures of briscoe county jr the one season <laughs> western starring bruce campbell getting back to my evil dead 2 obsession well gentlemen that's my number four Oh, that's oh brutal. it's fucking brutal. <laughs> you know, I knew it was about, it was going to happen. It had to happen. <laughs> we couldn't have gone this long without somebody taking <laughs> somebody's next picks. And all I can hope is that my next pick <laughs> takes it off the board for Frank. <laughs> <laughs> so I had a strategy. I've been saying that's this. Yeah, what is the strategy's this? over. Because if you look at my picks, I'm going to go down them. I started off with Poltergeist. That's a ghost. The Thing, Monster, American Werewolf in London, Werewolf, Lost Boys, Vampire. My next mm. one, you could probably figure out what my next one was going to be. Now mm. that's off the Ugly. table. <laughs> <laughs> now I have to go from the heart. This movie is one that I've watched countless amount of times. Maybe the youngest I've ever been shocked at an ending to where my fucking jaw unhinged. And I said mm -hmm. something I didn't see coming, which sparked my love of kind of like twist endings. An anthology movie from 1990. You promised you wouldn't tell. Wow, dude. Tales from the Tales Dark from Side. Tales from the Dark Side. Stephen King, originator of Pet Cemetery. <laughs> Arthur Conan Doyle. Author of Sherlock Holmes. Michael McDowell, creator of Beetlejuice. George Romero, director of Night of the Living Dead. Now, these four masters of everlasting horror bring to the screen four tales of overwhelming terror. I warned them, but they wouldn't listen. Tales of diabolical fate. You promised you'd never tell! Tales of ghastly revenge. Grow, O oh light. Rise, O oh light. Come forth, O oh light. Open his eyes. Tales of ruthless evil. That cat has killed three people in this household. I don't believe this. Kill it, bury it, and bring me its tail. Tales from the dark side. Well, that just about takes care of that, doesn't it? Come live the nightmare of your choice. Ah, oh, that's a fun one, dude. Oh, I love this fucking movie. Scared the shit out of me. Has its little Hansel and Gretel-esque story that kind of ties everything off nicely, nice and neat. With Deborah Harry. Deborah Harry and, uh, the, what's his name, the, the kid? Three the, the ninjas? Brothers. No. The... They knuckle up, kick back. What the High fuck is Mega his Mountain? name? The Lawrence Oh, brothers. right, he's Matthew. Yeah, he's, Matthew one, Lawrence, yeah, he's one of the Lawrence the brothers. boy. And he has the little, don't you just love happy endings where he breaks the fourth wall and eats his little cookie? Uh, so much fun. Now, yeah. was was Stephen King involved with this? Stephen King was. He wrote uh, The Cat from Hell. Well, he didn't write it. It was written by my, uh, Michael McDowell. 
That was Arthur Conan. Yeah, he wrote George Romero, Mc, Michael McDowell, who wrote Batman Returns. <laughs> really? He co-wrote it. Oh my god! So Cat from Hell, it's an adaption of a short story, but it was written by George Romero. So Stephen mm. King was loosely involved. Now this is coming off the TV show, which right. has one of the I don't care. Fuck you, kids! Because I showed it to Deborah, she laughed at it. But that opening to the TV show scared the shit out of me when I was a kid. Every time the with that awful, awful like v, VHS overlays for the yeah. effects. I don't remember the show at all, but I remember this movie like so well. Was it Buscemi in there somewhere? Yes, Buscemi he is. is. Dude, Black the cast. Grow, grow a light, ascend a light. Rise, O light, come forth, O light. O darkness, remove. Re Shut up, Remove thyself from him. Open tent, open nap, open his eyes. Open his eyes. Open the cast is unbelievable. Lot 249. It's, I mean, <laughs> Debbie Harry and Martin Lawrence in the, the opening little. Um, not Martin Lawrence. Imagine <laughs> it's Martin Lawrence. Matthew Lawrence. Mike Larry. Mike Lowry. <laughs> <laughs> you, have, you have Christian Slater, Steve Buscemi. The first time you see Julianne Moore. Julianne Moore. I mean, those William are so Hickey, <laughs> Alice Drummond. You know, you have so many people. Mark uh, Margolis. Ray, uh, Ray Don Chong. Ray Don Chong with the, the, the delivery of my favorite line in the whole movie. Help me. The whole cast is great. You have Raiden from What's World Combat from Annihilation. Annihilation. No, uh, Dexter's dad. What's his name? Uh, right. Uh, what the hell's his name? God, James Remar. James Remar. Is that how you say it? Yes, James Remar. That sounds right. Yeah. You have an uncredited <laughs> Vincent Pastor in, in the... What? Yeah, he's in the uh, big pussy. He's in the he's in the art gallery. Oh, look at this his. fucking painting over hey, here! Don't let me take a look. But it's, I mean, starting off lot two forty nine with Christian Slater, the mummy in the their, their little college town with Steve Buscemi. It's there's so many funny moments in in that one little. This is just why I love anthologies. There's so many stories you could pack in, and it's just it's just so fun. I love how I, I, I it's funny. I, I, I recently watched this with Deborah. I haven't watched it in decades. Uh, I'm actually a little bit fresh with it. The most visually stylish movie uh, George Romero ever did. Uh, he has a lot of fun with camera works, like doing like total like EC Tales from the Crypt and Vault of Horrors tile like panels, which yeah. he did, of course, in uh, Creepshow, but more refined here. With It's got a mix. It's a mix of like that like arch like comic book style with which more with more refined lighting as opposed to like the big full-on primary color background you'd get in like creep show I, I really loved how this film was shot yeah talk about this movie as it as being like creep show three because it was following the success of like creep show because obviously there was stephen king and romero the their what was it laurel entertainment i think did the first the first was the production company and they toyed with the idea of like a a, a creep show tv series during that time negotiations were going back and forth and they made the decision to just change the title to tales from the dark side and after like the series tv success they were like oh let's let's bring it you know is that right i never yeah really, yeah i'm so dumb that i never made the connection it's just like oh yeah he made creep show and then he made yeah. Tales from the dark side and i they did. yeah that's where that must have came yeah they from. were trying so to get awesome. it as like a series and stuff like that and it, it kind of just fell through with the creep show and they're like all right well we'll just do tales from the dark side then this is the second time Romero's come up on this list. The guy's a heavy hitter. Yeah. What's the second story? Uh, the Cat from Hell is the second story, mm. which is not that great. It's okay. No. It's the weakest out of them. Uh, What's the strongest one? Oh. T to me, it's Lover's Vow. I love Lover's that. Vow is phenomenal. So good. Yeah. It's a I mean, really again, good. That's, it's, that's a Faustian tale. That's a, a deal with the devil, kind of. 
because uh, James Reamer's character is kind of a kind of a fuck up, like a little bit of a drunk. He literally watches uh, a gargoyle kill one of his friends after leaving a bar. The gargoyle swears him to secrecy, and that's where he runs into after running out of that fucking that alleyway. He runs into Ray Don Chong, who's like, "Oh, what happened?" And that's where they meet, and it's like, "But well, we 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 got to get out of here." Then you watch their relationship flourish, and his career as an artist start taking off, and they fall in love and get married and have children. And the whole time he's just haunted by these images of this monster that killed. He watched kill his friend. Help me! The way they—that's a really great scream. drawing these things and then he finally decides you know what this is my life partner this is the person i'm going to 10 years have gone by i have to tell somebody and when he tells her the her look of fucking betrayal that crosses her face and the, the way they synthesize her voice when she starts screaming you promised you'd never tell what's wrong i'm not making this up i'm telling you the truth you promised you'd never tell hear the kids in the other room start fucking screaming and they come walking in as those two little gargoyles yeah oh (laughs) it's that last shot of the god of the sad gargoyle on top of the building clutching the kids just crouched over and turned to stone beautiful story oh it was so fucking good yeah it's really it's like yeah i don't remember the second story either because because that's how just the old man was trying to kill the cat yeah and the cat kept getting away with him. <laughs> it's fun watching William Hickey like keep falling down. Yeah. <laughs> ah, that's like the that's my image. You're like, what's the? Come here, cat. Yeah. That's that's the story too. I just summarized it. <laughs> <laughs> the cool thing is when the the, the cat was doesn't the cat come out of his head afterwards or at the end? Yes, that was kind of fun. They made Romero put that in after uh, what is it, Monkey Shine, where the monkey claws its way out of the the person's back. They were like, do something like Monkey Shine. And he's like, all right, all right I'll, I'll figure something out. Did he do Cat's Eye too? Oh, you know what? I don't know. Was that might as well be the same movie? If you've seen Cat's Eye, you've seen uh, Cat from Hell. That cat goes uh, on an adventure. That's uh Stephen King. Stephen King, right? I think that's based on the same fucking story, to be honest. What order in the sequence is Lover's Vow? Lover's Vow is at the end. The it's, third. The, it's it's the closer. It's I mean, the close. it's, it's that's got to be on purpose, right? You got to yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, they said that during the uh, a test screening of it. The, the order wasn't the in, in the release order. It was a little different, and it didn't mm. screen as well. So they were like, let's go back and switch things around. Because I, I think so it's I... good with opening with uh, Lot 249, because if you would have opened with Cat's Eye, you might have, not Cat's Eye, uh, Cat from Hell, you might have lost some people or closed with it. You might have left them on a sour note. Yeah, because that's a fun, like, it's a, it's a good one to open with with uh, Lot 249 because it's a fun one. Right, it's fun. It's silly, and it's, 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 a, it's uh, dude, it's a mummy. It's yeah. like we're having fun with classic monsters. Yeah. It's it's an EC comic come to life. Yep. I mean, it's him. They were so influenced that generation by those comics, and it's like that's an, it's 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 his third love letter to EC comics. This movie, yeah, uh, on film. Yeah, he and, hires uh, a essentially hires a hitman in the uh, yeah in the Cat from Hell. 
Mm-hmm. Who, who plays the hitman? What's his name? All his no, it's like <laughs> they're everywhere because I didn't get a chance. To, yeah, for like, some. I saw you scrambling. Did they do uh, a they, sequel to this? They didn't. At least I don't think they did. David no, Jo like, David Jo David Johansson. David. Oh, that's right, David Johansson. Is that you, Santa Claus? Yeah. <laughs> What's floor? Buster Poindexter. Yes, Buster Poindexter. Staten Island native. Scrooge. <laughs> Grumpier old men. Hey. Well, he's oh, great yeah. in Scrooge. That's his big... He's on the soundtrack. Oh, and uh, one of my other favorites. Uh, John doesn't like this movie so much, but I love it. Let it ride. Oh, the dry Silence. Silence. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Just like... I might as well fans. I, I might as well have said it, I'm, it's malignant because the deafening <laughs> silence that brought... I, I came right up like, dude, <laughs> hold on to your hats when I tell you. <laughs> Let it ride. Crickets. <laughs> Holy shit. I just stopped the show dead. I'm sorry. Yeah, we don't know that one. <laughs> well, he's good in that movie, too. It did okay. It cost him three and a half million to make. It made 16. So it's pretty acceptable. It did fine. It's one of those movies, though. And because the reason why you watched it so many times is because it was on HBO constantly. Constantly. Yep. Constantly. Really got it, really put that. And Lost Boys. These are movies that were just. I don't know if these movies are objectively good. I'm just programmed to like them right. because so much of my early conditioning yep. was to. was watching these movies over and over again. Tales from the Dark Side, Creep Show, House, and The Gate. We're always oh, Jesus on. Jesus Christ, the gate. Always on HBO. Yeah, no good. House is. Uh, I'll tell you because it's not has no. It was it was in contention at one point. House, the first yeah. one. I watched the second one the other day. House two is. I uh, see. That's not a horror film though. No, no, it's no, a, no, no. That's, that's a, a that's a, a flat out parody. Yeah, mm. it's a flat out. It's a it's an adorable family film with horror elements. Yeah. Uh, and Gramps, oh, Royal Dano's performance breaks my fucking heart. Breaks yeah. my heart. Caterpillar dog. Oh, I want one so bad still to this day. And I want the pterodactyl. Very, cowboy baby pterodactyl. <laughs> baby pterodactyl. Doesn't even make oh. sense. Him and a Mayan. So, so here's the movie. A guy and his friend hook up with a Mayan princess, a caterpillar dog, a zombie. A, z- a zombie and a cowboy. And a pterodactyl. <laughs> yeah. And, and they fight an even bigger zombie cowboy at the end. And it's one of the sweetest movies you'll ever see. It's adorable. Like, you, it's yeah. heartwarming. It's a heartwarming film. I love House 2. Not a horror film, though. I hate to say it, guys. Is the only active anthology series going today the VHS films? I believe so. Isn't that odd? That's such an easy There's, way to such an, right. make sequels. Just have shorts, and you can bring in young directors and let them try stuff. You can have fun. You can have a party. There's such like, a market try, for that. Let's try some stuff out, yeah. It works. I mean, anthologies yeah. work. I mean, a it's just if you ever uh, want to take deep dive into like British horror, there's the Amicus films, uh, which were they went anthology film crazy. Like, actually, the first film versions of Tales from the Crypt was a British film by Amicus Studios, and they would just put out these lavish, really well done. They Amicus was basically the competitor to Hammer Horror films in the seventies. And they put out tons of them, and they were really great. And a lot of them are just excellent. And it's it's such a viable. Stephen King says like horror short stories are the best the yeah. best way to contain a horror story. They just are mm-hmm. get more done. They just they work because it's like it's like comedy. It has to come at you hard and fast. Let it ride. <laughs> directed by uh, <laughs> John Harrison was the director of Cat's Eye. Of uh, no, of the whole. Oh. He did all of them. 
He was the the credited director of wow. all of the Tales same of the director Dark Side movie. Yeah. Oh, so Romero didn't direct; he just produced. No, he just he just produced and wrote. Oh, interesting. Yeah, mm-hmm. I always thought he directed. That's crazy. No, he was also the fir- uh, he was the first AD on Creep, the first Creep Show. You know mm-hmm. what? Nineteen ninety was a busy year for him because he also was producing Night of the Living Dead remake that uh, mm-hmm. Savini directed. So he was probably busy. He was probably he, I don't think he had time to commit to uh, directing, or did he? Maybe he had another. Th- I don't remember. I got. I don't have his whole filmography. Maybe he had another film going on at the same time. Jesus, yeah, that was an sure. animal. Guy was a goddamn work animal, I tell you. But I mean, this he this guy he got his start directing Tales from the Dark Side TV episodes. Like he mm. he had like eight of them. Now, how long uh, was Tales from the Dark Side off the air? Because I remember that it seemed like a weird thing. It's three years. It ran from eighty four to eighty seven, and then they waited till night. Because again, they were trying to make Creep Show three. Right. And it was just right. like, all right, well, we'll just do Tales from the Dark Side then. Right. Oh, because probably, yeah, it's probably rights. Yeah, you said rights issues. Cause, yeah, like, there, was, there I, was rights issues going on well, with that. I own Tales from the Dark Side, so. Yeah, Laurel Entertainment, I think, is his company. Yeah. Isn't yeah, it a shame? He doesn't own the rights. Like, that went, like, Night of the Living Dead and, like, Dawn of the Dead. I think Day of the Dead, like, went into public domain. Yeah. Some weird issue. I mean, he did okay. And, you know, he should be the richest man alive. Right. <laughs> like, I was just going to say. Yeah. <laughs> it's like. Um, a whole there's a whole industry based on my work for crying out loud. While this whole boom is going on that I created, like I'm making these low budget zombie films. It's like, oh, that would burn me. He didn't seem Meanwhile, bothered by it's like it. But season fifteen me. of Walking Dead Newark Airport yeah, season is on. Christ. <laughs> Good score. I, is it Alan Silvestri did the score? I think it is. Uh... If it's not him now, I might as well just jump out the fucking window. Because <laughs> I wasted everybody's time. There's people uh, listening. Donald Rubenstein. Oh, Jesus Christ. Sorry, folks. That's a egg on my face. Who's the goose? I guess it's me. <laughs> <laughs> it was a, they had a sequel planned that kind of fell through. They had hmm. a couple of stories worked out that they wanted to make. A screenplay was written, Michael McDowell and George Romero. They had planned segments that included a story by Robert Block. Almost oh. you, his story, Almost Human. The guy who wrote uh, Psycho? Yes, yes. Yes. One of his short stories. And one of Stephen I couldn't, King's... I couldn't get two in a row. If I got two in a row, I was fucking... That is it. It was... It was <laughs> oh, street pizza time. And they had two uh, Stephen King stories that were planned. Uh, Pinfall, which was... I don't think it was... I don't think it was ever published. And Rainy Season, which they put in... Uh, which was in Nightmares and Dreamscapes. What's the next big horror anthology after that movie? Well, that's not Tales from the Hood. Uh, trick or treat? Yeah, Woo. I think that's it's it starts getting much more sporadic. Yeah. Like after this. Like there's not that many. I mean, like you said, they there's the VHS movies. That. That's not true. There's a lot, but I'm talking about like multiplex fair yeah. ones. Like they the big studios aren't doing them. Of course, like, you know, small uh yeah. indie horror is doing it. Right. But it's funny that's not a thing. That's it's and again like VHS. I mean that's considered indie horror. Like like the studios aren't like I'd go see that like a big anthology film. Like sure. yeah, they technically never even released Trick or Treat. Like what what's the film that made them skittish on it? I don't know. It's crazy. It's something made question. them. So, something got them spooked. Something spooked. Them. <laughs> 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 uh, well, those reasons. Those... <laughs> <laughs> Why Tales from the Dark Side? Well, no, there are other reasons why Tales from the Dark Side is my number four pick. 
I'm not sad about it. <laughs> I enjoy this movie, and I'm happy. You know what? Fuck you. My number five pick it. <laughs> <laughs> Snake it, everybody. Uh, pick it now. Who's next? I don't know how this goes. Frank. <laughs> Frank. It's me? Yeah, yeah I'm next. Last. Oh, boy. Him go home. Why? The carp. You know, I thought you said. My wife's mother is visiting, Father. And Tuesday night, she's cooking as a carp. It's a tasty fish. I, I have nothing against it. But because it's supposedly filled with impurities, she buys it live. And for three days, it's been swimming up and down in my bathtub. Up and down. And I hate it. I can't stand the sight of it. Moving its gills. Now, you're standing very close to me, Father. Have you noticed? Yes. I haven't had a bath for three days. I can't go home until the carp is asleep. <laughs> because if I see it swimming, I'll kill it. It's the carp speech. That's the movie Exorcist 3. Exorcist 3. Exorcist 3, not Exorcist 1 or 2. Three. Well, I have a confession to make. Hmm. I don't particularly like The Exorcist. Wow. Really? I do not like it at all. And I'm huh. sorry. This is going to piss a lot of people off. I, I, what do you want me to do? You think I'm happy about this? <laughs> I'm no. not happy about this. It's not a choice I made. I've tried on multiple occasions at different stages of my life to like The Exorcist. It just ain't happening. It's a non-starter. Like it. Not in the cards. It's okay. It's just not in there. I'm not going to go into why I don't like it. Exorcist 2 weird mess uh that's john borman swinging for it it's a weird movie does not work but i appreciate john borman and he's always even when he's failing john borman he's interesting it's an interesting movie not particularly good one exorcist hmm. 3 is best horror sequel ever for me i yeah i'm gonna say it. it's the best horror sequel i can't hmm. think of another one especially for, especially whether you like the first movie or not it's doing its own thing and just keeping it within the world, which is actually not in, uh, was not the original plan. The film is based on Laddie's book Legion, which has nothing to do with The Exorcist. Uh, either in production or uh, in post-production, they said, this needs to be an Exorcist movie. Can you shoot some stuff to make it more exorcist -y? And they made those connections and admittedly a little sloppy in places. It's not the neatest. You could see where the seams are a little bit. That being said... Mm. This movie is loaded with fucking atmosphere. Top shelf performances, dialogue. The reason why I wanted to play the carp scene for everybody is it's some of the best dialogue I've ever heard. It's mm. unbelievable. Red Letter Media just recently talked about this movie. Uh, this has been like a weird, quiet thing I've had with friends throughout my life where it was like it's like a weird secret almost. Like where it's just like the people who know it, who've seen it, go, this movie's unfucking real. But it's never really talked about, and it should be for a variety, for the reasons I've said, and for also, uh, I'm going to jump ahead to the question of best, like uh, the uh, some of the best scenes. I've already mentioned the carp, but another one of the best scenes is probably, it, it's not even debatable for me, it's the best designed jump scare sequence ever. I'm punching the table. That's how excited I am. Best designed <laughs> jump scare sequence ever put on film, ever put on film is the scene in the hospital is I can't even go into, it would take 
like I could like go shot for shot like why this is unfucking believable this scene. Entire build up to it is is mesmerizing. It's like, is this for is this like you've never seen a movie just stop to a crawl like the scene does? It slows to a crawl with some really almost bad camera work where it's just the camera's hanging back. Not bad, it's just so distant and so so detached. And it's like, is there anything gonna happen? But the dread just starts building because it's going on for so long as this nurse is just walking back and forth. To all these different mm. these different rooms, and when the jump happens, you, I, to the, I I know it's one of those scenes where I know what's about to happen and I still jump. It's funny, Exorcist. They talk about how like amazing the scares were for their time. I don't think there's anything in Exorcist that has stood the test of time like that sequence has. Uh, I never saw. The I can't think one. of another horror Me movie either. that has like folklore almost levels mythos around a specific horror scene like i had never seen exorcist until fairly recently within the mm. past maybe two years but i'd always heard about this one scene how it has this one scene that's like the best jump scare ever i'd heard this for a long time just anecdotally yeah so i knew going in okay it's gonna have this scene like i'm just like carefully waiting for it and then even when i think oh this is it okay so whatever there'll be a jump scare even knowing all of that i was still like oh it's so effective. It's like a masterfully crafted scene, and it, mm. it'll get you even if you're waiting for it. It's one. It's just. It's an all-time jump scare horror movie moment. Brad Dorif sh uh, should win. A, should have gotten an Academy Award. He is unbelievable as the Gemini killer. Well, there I was, so awfully dead in that electric chair. I didn't like it. Would you? It's upsetting. There was still so much killing to do, and there I was, in the void, without a body. But then along came, well, you know, my friend, one of them, those others over there, the cruel ones, the master. And he thought, that my work should continue, but in this body, in this body in particular, in fact, ooh, let's call it revenge. A certain matter of an exorcism, I think, in which your friend Father Karras expels certain parties from the body of a child. Certain parties were not pleased. To say the least, to say the very least. And so my friend, the master, devised this pretty little scheme as a way of getting back, of creating a stumbling block, a scandal, a horror to the eyes of all men who seek faith using the body 
of this saintly priest as an instrument of, you know, my work. But the main thing is the torment of your friend, Father Karras, as he watches while I rip and cut and mutilate the innocent, his friends, and again, and again, and on and on. He is inside with us. He will never get away. His pain won't end. The, uh, so let me just quickly sum up the plot. Uh, oh, Christ. I got too excited. <laughs> George C. Scott. <laughs> George, C. George C. Scott plays a cop who years ago stopped a killer, a serial killer known as the Gemini killer. Uh, he was killed. He killed the Gemini killer. And now there's a copycat killer. But at every scene of every crime, it's different fingerprints. So it's different people doing it. So is it a series of copycat murders? That's the first thing. And then it turns out there's this one person that's been in the comas, that's been in the coma the night that the, the to the very night the Gemini killer was caught and killed. And it turns out it's Father Karras from the first Exorcist movie. He's in a, an asylum who's been catatonic for years and then has come, ab has come awake being saying all kinds of outlandish shit, calling for the police, to, and he's telling them he's the Gemini killer. George C. Scott sees his old friend, who's Father Karras, who he knew. He's like, what the fuck are you doing here? He's like, didn't you die? And it's like, turns out on the night of the exorcism, he didn't die. He, his bot, when he said, take me, take me, the demon's like, all right, vacancy, some bitch. And he let the Gemini mm. killer in. Ah. Uh, and so he basically resurrect. He's a walking dead, and he has this. So but his body was so damp. And the way Brad Dorf explains this is just mesmerizing. He explains like where he's been, and it sounds it's it's an info dump, but it's it's given such poetic fucking grace. And they keep modulating his voice. And but it's it's, it's so emotional creepy. depth. It's not exposition. It doesn't feel expositional. It, no, it gives depth it, to the character, and Dorf is really phenomenal in this movie. Yeah, he, Shakespearean level bigness. Wow. Yeah, it's phenomenal. Great scares. Uh, relationship between George C. Scott and his uh, his friend, the priest. And so George C. Scott is basically when they sit like you have a cop who's world weary. Holy shit, he is the he's the world weariest fucking cop that's ever been on film. He's uh, just over it. He don't even. He's like, I don't even know if I have the strength to give a shit at this point I, <laughs> life is just so fucking awful and disappointing and he gives an amazing like monologue when he when the demon at, in the climax asks him what he believes <clears throat> did you think to save your friend the priest I got Help. Help me. Have I helped your unbelief? Oh, yes. Yes, I believe. I believe in death. I believe in disease. I believe in injustice and inhumanity and torture, and anger, and hate. I believe in murder. I believe in pain. 
I believe in cruelty and infidelity. I believe in slime and stink and in every crawling, putrid thing, every possible ugliness and corruption, you son of a bitch! I believe! It is so amazing. Uh, George C. Scott's on fire. It's my favorite George C. Scott performance. Uh, just the way he just just nobody enunciates and puts emphasis on words in not necessarily the right place but it <laughs> so works he's like the killer the gemini killer had he put, he put something on their left <laughs> like he fuck it's but like it, a roller coaster it, ride yeah you're 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 at attention because it's just like you just part of the roller coaster is where is he going to put the emphasis and why <laughs> it's fantastic it's just and his scenes they have and they're long it's a very talky slow movie like there's a big chunk of the movie they're just sitting in a it's brad dorif who's the true face of the gemini killer i should have explained that uh, father Karras is alive but for the majority of the time it's played by Dar brad dorif because that's his true face essentially just say. real quick before i forget um mm -hmm. if anyone wants to watch it's it's available on multiple it's on peacock tubi amazon prime Oh, cool. This is mm. such... I, I I wanted to do at some point like a horror sequels draft, mainly just to talk about this because it just kind of flew under the radar. And I, I get it. It's like a number three of a series that's fairly old at this point. It feels goofy out of context, but it's such... The acting is so good. And there's jump scares in this movie that you're like, oh, so that movie just ripped off Exorcist 3. This mm. shot, this shot. I've seen this shot before and they got it from Exorcist 3. And the other really great scare sequence in the church confessional mm -hmm. is bloodless, subtle. That's how it's amazing at this film. Like the big scares you see, it's very subtle until mm -hmm. the ending where it takes. Yeah. And this was part of the reshoots. And this is why the film's a little weird in the end, because the ending is a fucking fireworks show with <laughs> crazy green lights just explosions pyrotechnics people's faces are getting ripped off it's fucking wild i think it earns that though even though that was a concession for reshoots because it's been slow and methodical and very so when you get to that point because dude i don't care when the exorcist when merlin from fucking uh excalibur that's the actor nicole uh nicole williams i can't uh... he shows up the fucking door slam open and the fucking <laughs> exorcist theme comes all you hear is dun, 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 and these doors for no reason whatsoever just open and fucking wind machine hits him it's like oh shit it's like fucking macho man doing a run-in when fucking hulk's getting attacked it was like oh shit here it comes the throwdown's coming You've interrupted me. Have you come to save God's servant? Well, I must save mine, my son, La Gemini. He has work to do, much more. But come in, Father Morning. Enter, night. This time you're going to lose.
It's so awesome. It's one of those, you're, you're jumping in the seat. It's so great. Coming off another great scare with the Jaws of Life. Another amazing scare sequence. Yeah. There's, there's three all-timer scare moments in here that are just, wow. holy shit. Ending and ending with a crazy pyrotechnic show. That's just a victory lap for the whole Exorcist series. Here's everything you love in the first Exorcist, but this time, like it's the it's the end of the Exorcist. Whoa, they got some more money and they're throwing, they're doing some crazy. Like hell rises up. Hell like literally rises up out of the fucking ground. It's just getting crazy. Hmm. Wow, Miller, Jason Miller's excellent now. in this too. Oh yeah. Oh, and do I spoil it for them, John? No, you can't. You can't. No, nah. don't even. No, just leave it at that. No, hmm. I'm watching it tonight. You should. Mm. It's unbelievable. Just bask in the, the dialogue. It's so good. It's uh, it's a classic. Uh, it's a movie. My first time watching The Exorcist, I remember I was watching it with Nini, my older brother Nini, in my father's house after they got divorced. His father's, my father's house in Seagate. We were all scared because I was like, a, I was a, you know, a seven or eight. And like, I'm into Fangoria at this point. So I'm like, I got to see The Exorcist. And we watch it in a day, maybe, which is probably the wrong time to watch that movie. But The Exorcist 3 is a movie I've always loved. Like I saw it, 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 it was one of those movies I saw late night at cable and it, it was the opposite. I was fucking terrified and I was haunted for days by it. And it's one of the few films that like, I was like creeped out. Like when I, it was one of those films that you haven't watched as a kid, you have like these, all you have is that association. Like watching it again as adults, I was, I got some of that residual nervousness. Like I'm scared to watch this because this movie scared the shit out of me <laughs> when I was a kid. And uh, it didn't, of course, it didn't do that again, but I was just blown away by how good a film it actually is. It does not get enough love. I mean, there's been a little bit of a critical reevaluation in the last few years of it that's been like kind of uh, positive, but it's not enough. The, people need to be talking about this as one of the old timers, in my opinion. It's so goddamn good. Wow. Great sound editing, too. Oh, my God. There's moments in, there's moments in the scene where. Now, anytime you see a scary image, you have to get hit with this shrieking violin noise as if like, as if, as if what you're seeing isn't scary, they have to like force you through audio to make you jump. This is very creative in that you'll see something, but it's quiet. And that makes it more disturbing because it's just this thing in the background that exists. So it, it, it's, it has this intimacy. You might like the Exorcist more. God bless you. <laughs> this, this for me is what I want out of my Exorcist movie. Uh, also that came out this year is the is the Leslie Nielsen vehicle repossessed, which was the spoof Oof, of uh, yeah. with Linda, Linda Blair. A couple things. Uh, I, don't, I, I, I got so excited that I forgot to mention. This was written and directed by William Peter Blatty, the author of the Exorcist book. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Sure, he had to make concessions, but you, this feels like, you know, a lot of guys, like a lot of like uh, authors got their stuff, stuff, their films adapted in the 80s. And a lot of them had misgivings about it in the 70s and 80s. And, uh, he was one of those directors who actually did have chops. Uh, he had directed a couple other films before this. Uh, the Ninth Configuration? Yeah, to our, to, I was going to say Twinkle, Twinkle, Killer Kane, which is the alternate title of that movie, which is also really good. He, had, he has solid chops, but man, does he have an ear for dialogue because this movie has some, and it, it's so dialogue heavy that I, get, I could see somebody being bored by it, but it's just delivered so well and it's 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 just watching amazing actors do some top shelf work and oh. it's so great to watch oh i could watch i'm gonna watch it again after this <laughs> yeah that's my uh, fourth pick well and you know who jason miller's son is pj miller jason patrick what really yep holy shit 
Look at this. It's all connected. It's all connected. <laughs> okay. Whew. I was worried about that. I had. I said. I was. I was worried. I wasn't worried about anybody else taking that, but John. That's why, like, I didn't panic. Cause I said, because John, I just like I know he knows that, and I'm like, shit, he might snake me on this. <laughs> <laughs> no. By the way, the best thing of Exorcist Three we can't mention. We can't mention it. So mm. just know that we haven't even told you the best part of it. The best part. Yeah. Right, I'm excited. I'm gonna watch mm, it tonight, yep. then maybe we'll talk about it in the next. Uh, yeah. To start it's, off the next draft. It's really worth it. My next pick is Jaws. I win. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be God really uncomfortable it. if I wanted to pick uh, The Exorcist now. No, no. I assume, <laughs> I assume somebody would want The Exorcist. So awkward. Not anymore, Frank. <laughs> yeah, let me uh, give me a few minutes. Let me. <laughs> <laughs> no, for real? No, no, no. I love okay. William Friedkin. I, French Connection is one of my favorite movies from that same period. And I, I understand there's things that are great in it. I get it. We get it. Father Karras has a crisis of faith. You got anything else to tell? No, we're going to have another scene about that? Oh, okay. <laughs> How many more scenes are we going to have about that? Oh, I get it. He's got a crisis of faith. Did you know that? Is there anything else going on in his life? Nope. That's it. Thank you. <laughs> oh, that gets resolved. That, you, get re you mean that gets resolved? Oh, wow. I had no idea. It's not like you were harping on it. The only thing you harped on. I got to watch The Lost Boys and The Exorcist 3. Oh, you haven't seen, seen Lost Boys, Judd? Nah. Never seen <gasps> oh, man. What? We need to do a recap of what's on your list. Oh, dude. I've, the list is, has grown so much. <laughs> I have so many. I have, like, I'm overwhelmed looking at this. I'm running out of space on my index card. Well, I'm pulling this out of the 80s and 90s, coming to a more recent film for my fourth pick, 2011. Cabin in the Woods. Are everybody ready? It doesn't even show up on the GPS. It's unworthy of global positioning. That's the whole point. Get off the grid, right? Hello? I'm thinking this thing doesn't take credit cards. Sign says closed. We're looking for, uh, what's it called? Tillerman Road. Not to get you there. Getting back. That's your concern. Oh, this is awesome. Whoa. No way. have passed to the gate. They are come to the killing floor. Let's get this party started! I seriously believe something weird is going on. What is that thing? We have to stay together. This isn't right. We should split up. Yeah, good idea. Really? Oh! Ooh. Mm. I love this movie. I really love this movie. I don't know if it's like all time or if it's a classic or if it's any of these things. It's on the short list of movies I've made Ali, my fiance, watch. That's got to mean something. <laughs> like, I, I think this movie is very entertaining. It's very interesting. It's scary in times. I love how they kind of flip it on, you know, flip the horror the whole horror genre like on its head is the audience like getting what they want 
Yeah, the it's the analogy of like the gods are essentially a sit-in for the audience. And yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's all about should we give them what they want or yeah, these, should we uh, do something a little different? And, and who gives a fuck? The gods just want lazy formula, <laughs> yeah. and that's yeah. a problem. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. farmed like what we have talked about like on every episode, algorithmic bullshit, farmed. Uh, watch this, buy this. Shut up. <laughs> I love the cast in this movie. You got Thor. First time I had Fern. seen him. This is yeah. This. this was before Thor, I think. Yeah. Now, did they Funny. hold off the release of this movie because it was shelved for a couple of years to yeah, coincide I've... with like yeah. this with... guy's this? You're going to see Thor Whedon before guy. Thor, or right? And it's also Joss right Whedon. After. Right. It's it's so it's like yeah. it's he's about to blow up, so let's hold it off. Uh, essentially, like what happened with Teen Wolf, where they that movie was shot way before Back to the Future, but they said. Let's get some of that uh, Back to the Future money. So let's put Team Wolf out after Back to the Future. So they pulled that kind of move, I think. Yeah. Mm. Thor came out in 2011 also. So they might have been just right around each other. Yeah, but everybody knew Joss was directing. uh, Right, Avengers. This this came out in uh, April. Yeah. Um, Um, I love the whole concept of making horror mythology this, like, industrial complex. Such an awesome, hilarious angle. And then the casting of Richard Jenkins and Bradley Whitford. Oh, so oh, those two guys together. Um, incredible. Like, just give them their own sitcom right yeah. now. Yep. They, yeah. That's the perfect dynamic to nail the tone of how funny and fun this movie is. Put those two guys in a little, yeah. in a little golf cart driving around just talking about their weekends. Yeah. Well, that's then, how you that's the that's like the core for me of this movie. That conversation with the slam cut to Cabin in the Woods, like yeah, the, the yeah. title is fucking fantastic. Yeah. I fucking applauded when I saw that. Guys, if we fail, then... please, we haven't had a glitch since '98. We know what we're doing, Lynn, but we have it written down somewhere. You guys better not be messing around in there. Ooh, does this mean you're not in the betting pool this year? Big money. I am just saying it's a key scenario. No, I, I, I hear what you're saying. In '98. It was the chem department's fault, right? Where do you work again? Wait, it's coming back to me now. It's gonna be a long weekend if everyone's that puckered up. So you wanna come over Monday night? I'm gonna pick up some power drills, liberate my cabinets. Are you even listening to me? I saw that in theater and uh, you know, it was weird. Uh, Scott adds it from 30 Rock was sitting in front of me. Oh really? <laughs> yeah, it was just a weird detail. I forget who, what character was he play. He played Pete on uh, Thirty Rock. Pete. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's just, and he he seemed to enjoy it. Like that that opening was such. That's Drew Goddard too, right? To who went yeah, on to Drew do? Goddard. Yeah, uh, yeah, Drew Goddard. That's that. And so both. I mean, it's Joss and Drew Goddard. Like you know, right before he's about to blow. Yeah, what he go on to do? Uh, Daredevil. Did, well, he started Daredevil. Uh, the show. Yeah. Oh really? Yeah. yeah uh, oh, that's awesome. Yeah, you could actually tell where he leaves the show because the writing changes. Uh, no. I don't think for the better. Oh. Bradley Whitford is... Dude, who would have thought the bully from Revenge of the Nerds 2 would become one of our greatest American actors? He's I so did not see that coming. For the, It took me a long time to remove that stigma from him. It's like, oh, that's that alpha beta scumbag. <laughs> <laughs> like, every time I saw him... And Billy Madison did not help things. No. Yeah. My <laughs> perception of him. It took it took at least three seasons of the what was the show? Damn it. West Wing. 
the West Wing to like rate. It's like, you know, this guy ain't that bad. <laughs> he has that that Robert Downey Jr. thing where he makes everything feel organic and conversational. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a rare it's a rare skill that he has. It's so strange. I'm actually rooting for this girl. She's got so much heart. You think of all the pain and the. Tequila is my lady, my lady. Come on in, guys. Come on in. Come on in. You're welcome. I mean, yeah. you really you want to see him showing off? Go watch the canceled series, uh, Studio Sixty. Right? Was it Studio Dude, Sixty on the Sunset I was Center? just yeah. about to say Sorry. he is fucking electric uh, in that it's show. It's so fucking good. It was a crime that that fucking show got canceled. Yeah. What happened with that show? Because I remember remember watching it. It was right around the time 30 Rock was out, and they didn't have enough room on TV for two shows with basically the same premise. Huh. Yeah, it was that, and people were really ragging on it for how bad the comedy sketches were, which which was a fair point, because it was just like trying, which I... I want to like excuse it, but I I kind of that's a bugaboo with me where it's like I'm supposed to pretend this is funny because in universe the people are laughing in the movie, but it's yeah. like th- <laughs> this is what a joke is like. It's like that's it's like a representation of a joke, but not a joke. Why don't you hire a sketch writer to do those for you? Like that's <laughs> like it's just like yeah. we look you're good at a lot of things. It's like the 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 fucking pitching coach needs to come out at that point and go, come on, yeah. son. You pitched yeah. a good game, but Gotta hand this over out. to Ro- hand this over to Robert Smyke. Bring in, let's bring in the lefty. <laughs> <laughs> bring in the lefty. No, I yeah, love this yeah. movie. I adore I everything too. about this movie. This movie inspired me. My short story writings and things. Like, wait a minute, I could do, I could do things like this. This throw shit at the wall and just see what the fuck happens. What you can add fun. depth to the world of horror. Yeah, yeah. And if you what? if you love horror movies, I don't know how you. Every horror fan I know loves this movie. You have to. It, it's a it's a it's it's a it. It splits it between a, a loving homage and a scathing indictment of yeah of horror genres. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like, yes, this is a love letter, but enough's enough already. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Come up yeah. with some new tricks. It doesn't uh, break its own back by being too meta. It does everything with exceptions, which I take a little ninety percent <laughs> of the time. It it's it's all with it makes sense within the reality that of the story it's telling. It does break that for me a little bit in a couple places, but whatever. Yeah, I mean the dude, what's the pur- the purge button? Is that what the button's called that she uh, hits? The, yeah, yeah, yeah. Dude, it's been built up so well that whole element, and it's just like it's kind of like the 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 forebearer to the Hulk smash scene in the next year's Avenger where it's mm. such a cathartic wild moment of, of explosive. This is all you've ever wanted violence. It's yeah. just like, look at all the toys we've collected. Now, what if we <laughs> just put them all out of one set? It's, like, <laughs> it's so joyful. It's just like, right. what if they all came out of one set? It's just like, uh, and it doesn't disappoint. It's just yeah. phenomenal. Yeah. When they just, just keep the, coming out, the little elevator, the elevator yeah. ding precursor to <laughs> yeah. just the fucking, the timing just of that. all madness goes on. Because they I keep mean, teasing you with the, you'll see what each floor looks like, but it's all yeah, black right. behind whatever the thing is. And you're right. just waiting. Yeah. The first time I saw this, I was actually overwhelmed by the last 20 minutes. My brain was like on fire. Yeah. I was like, yeah. I, I can't even comprehend how cool this is. Yeah. And then the second time you can go, oh my God, this is like the history of horror, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. So well, Every time fun. I watch it, I recognize a new, you know, just just the whiteboard new thing reading the yeah. names of all the yeah. creatures off the whiteboard it's like wait a minute what the fuck 
this was a movie that deserved an exploration into this universe. And they're taking bets, and Whitford, what does he want? Like the manatee or something? Yeah, he wants the, the mermaids. Really wish I'd the, seen The merman? Yeah, yeah. Oh, right, the right, merman. And then the merman ends up. If you were a Joss Whedon fan around this time, which I certainly was, uh, it's you see a lot of regulars, Franz Kranz, uh, yeah, Amy, yeah. Ack, great. Amy Acker, great. he's awesome, yeah, Tom Lenk, who uh, who was Andrew, who I hate, but it's nice to see him, and he show, he's fine in this movie. I'm not getting into. I don't like Andrew. Season seven's a mess of Buffy. You want to have this fight? Have this <laughs> no. Fight. <laughs> he's got one of my favorite lines in the movie. Uh, his character Marty. When they're like in the basement and they're playing with stuff, uh, and she picks up the book. She's like, "It looks like Latin." He's like, "Okay, I'm drawing the line in the fucking sand here. Do not read the Latin." <laughs> and of course, they read it, and it sets uh. up. Uh... <laughs> oh, sorry, Jesse Williams is in this too. Uh, if you're a Grey's Anatomy fan, like I've been forced to be for the last uh, two years <laughs> during the pandemic because my wife wanted the yeah, show to watch. To You'll find out. You're gonna get married soon, and you're gonna have to keep the peace, and maybe. Sitting back and being quiet while your wife binge watches a 16 season show. Yeah, the show is keep that still piece. going, huh? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I've watched every single episode. Yes, it is going on. Good for you to point that out, Justin. <laughs> well, anyway, he's so, in it. Is this movie considered a success if it made 70 million worldwide and cost 30 million? I'd say, yeah, right? Or no? I'd say, I no. <laughs> well, he, well, he, I was gauging Chris's reaction. He was gauging. He was like, "Oh, I say yeah." Then I gave him. Well, I say no. <laughs> yes, baby. No, no, no. Yes. I mean, it's one of those things where horror. It's got an audience. Yeah, uh, it, it has a cult following. It's definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Some, sometimes you live long enough to see yourself become the villain. I got yeah, that sentence true. all mangled, but that's yeah. what happened. This another too. Batman quote, huh? Yeah. No. Oh my <laughs> God! Son of a bitch, Frank. You can't fucking help yourself. <laughs> it's ridiculous. I'm not even doing this on purpose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why it makes it so good. Uh, my favorite scene. Can I do a favorite scene? Yeah. Favorite scene. Another thing involving music, and how like I've never seen this before prior to this. They're all celebrating in, in the office, the headquarters, whatever, and they think it's all done. The last girl. They think the last girl that's alive is about to get killed. And it cuts to them celebrating, and Ario Speedwagon starts playing. Oh, uh, roll with that's the changes. Song, roll with the changes. And she's just she's like, getting butchered getting, on like, the dock. Yeah. yeah. Are you kidding? Classic denouement when the van hits the lake. I, I screamed. Right? And the water rushing in. And the I'm a terror. I just think it would have been cooler with a merman. 
I fucking love that. That's like the coolest. It's like, wait, what? You can do this? Yeah. And they're all just hanging out, drinking. The celebrators like collecting money from the yeah (laughs) the pool. Yeah, that is such an incredible scene to me. If I could have a sequel of just like an office style sitcom spinoff, like that, yeah. Of those of Richard Jenkins right. and Bradley Whitford, like that would I would I'd watch ten <clears throat> seasons of that. Yep. Now, w- is that the first of its kind in that type of movie, and has it been done again? I haven't seen um, anything bit like this. Th- this, this is very the, specific. This is yeah. very high concept. Like I haven't seen. It's ambitious. I don't think I've seen anything mm-hmm. this. I've seen things play with horror conventions. Of course, you always see that. Yeah, but yeah, this was amb- yeah. This was an ambitious undertaking. Like, yeah. it's like, wow, you're trying to do a lot, huh? It's like, yeah. oh, shit. That's some shit to say. Yeah, I, I don't think it's, I don't think I've seen anything talk about the state of horror gotcha. as uh, explicitly as this film. It's a, but it's a, it's a, it's a horror, it's a horror film for horror, horror fans. It's like a comics comic. Yeah. Like Gilbert, God, it's the Gilbert Godfrey of horror movies. <laughs> I like when this? they, when they decide to split up, Fran is like, but why? Yeah. And they, yeah. always, they just all yeah. go to their separate rooms. We're gonna lock this place down. He's right. We'll go room by room, barricade every window and door. We gotta play it safe. No matter what happens, we have to stay together. This isn't right. What? What's the matter? This isn't right. We should split up. We can cover more ground that way. Yeah. Yeah, good idea. Really? That's a good twist, is that the guy who gets high is actually the one who's safe, because he can oh, think right, clearly. They're, right, they're yeah. like, oh, the weed is having an effect on him. It's keeping him... <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of fun. It's just a lot of fun ideas, and it's, it was, you know, it's one of those for fans, by fans type deals. Yeah. Uh, gotta love that. Yeah, and which a lot of times that doesn't work out when you let the yeah. fans write the movie for you, but... This one was total fan service. I mean, some people could see, I could see people not liking the tone. Maybe it's cutesy and you don't like the Joss Whedon style. Totally understand that. Yeah. Uh, I, oh, I could I, see that had turning a... people off. Like they could turn people yep. off, but I enjoy it. I, I dragged every one of my friends to the theater to see it. And we walked out and they were like, you really like this movie, huh? They broke my balls for weeks. Really? Oh yeah. yeah I remember that. Yeah. Oh yeah. And I said, you guys are just fucking idiots. I was so mad at them for so for, for for a long time. I was very angry. Yeah, they used to really make fun of you about this movie. Yeah. Uh, what was their it's reason? The movie. Nah, they just didn't. It's get stupid. It. It's stupid. stupid. It's, it's still silly. It got silly. Yeah. I'm, uh, it wasn't scary. Uh, you're a fucking yeah. moron. Leave me alone. <laughs> Care. I think it was mo- ma- mainly to get a rise out of me. Was how yeah. much I I talked it up. I probably did them a disservice. Yeah, that, that's so that's frustrating when it doesn't work out. When it's like, like, well, I know that pain often because you got to see, you know, the shit I watch. It's just like, <laughs> what was <is> that? <laughs> OK, Frank. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's tough when you get people to go to a theater and it's like does not work. Oh, out. I got so many of them. There was like nine of us. I think we were that the I... only people in the theater. You might have come. <laughs> I, I did I come with you one of these things because you yeah, saw I think it we theaters. saw it together yeah I saw it in the theater multiple times yeah, I, me said, too and I brought multiple people with me and they yeah. all hated it uh, that's a shame I mean I took that girl to see Sergeant Bilko I took a girl <laughs> uh, I took a girl to see Sergeant Bilko on a date 
It's just ruined anything. It just killed the mood. It was just like, I guess I'll just go home. Yeah, me too. <laughs> nice. All right, see ya. It's like, wow. This isn't going to happen, right? No, no. All right. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Now live and learn. Ha <laughs> ha. Solid pick, Judd. Yeah, that's a I good got, pick. I got a couple of quick trivia. It's such a fun movie. Quick trivia bits for it, for this movie. Joss Whedon and Drew Goddard wrote this script in just three days. Oh, really? Wow. Isn't that crazy? Huh. Yes. Wow. The thermos coffee mug bong thing that he uses uh-huh. uh, throughout the movie is actually a fully functioning prototype, which costs $5,000 to make. Jesus. Wow. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's pretty awesome. Somebody has that, that means. Yeah, I hope yeah. he does. What's he up to? Who, Joss Whedon? No, Fran Kranz. I don't know. He directed a movie recently called Mass that got a pretty good critical reception. Look for oh. him. Huh. I, yeah. I loved him on uh, Dollhouse. Uh, yeah, he's great. He was the whole show. Uh, Heather Lagenkamp, I think I'm saying mm-hmm. that right? Nancy from Nightmare on Elm Street mm-hmm. was one of the members of the makeup crew that created all the nightmare creatures. That's really? awesome. On this oh, movie. Wow. Yeah, uh, yeah, and like that's a thing that uh, happens in uh, Wes Craven's new nightmares that she's ma- married to a makeup effects guy, and that's yeah. what she she is married to a makeup effects guy, and now they run a uh, a makeup company, which How is cool. awesome. Like, yeah. and I see like pictures of her every now and again, just like on sets of films. Like, holy shit, Nancy's fucking doing Damn, horror makeup. Awesome. That's so cool. And that's my fourth pick. One round to go. Well, it's a great one. I like my list. I'm shaping up. Yeah, who's there? Yeah. You guys want to do a little quick recap on yeah. like, what we got? Yeah, yeah. Or no, you don't want to. Yeah, go. I guess. No. I guess. No. <laughs> oh no, we yeah we can. <laughs> I just don't want to think about it again. Read us off. What do we got? <clears throat> I started with a Nightmare on Elm Street. I went to The Conjuring. Third pick, Trick or Treat. Fourth pick, Cabin in the Woods. Solid man. Not bad. Solid team. Really not bad. Chris has. You want me to read it? Oh, you got it. I'll take care of it. There you go. Poltergeist, the thing, not Lost Boys, but <laughs> what was my third pick? Werewolf. American Werewolf. Oh, American Werewolf in London, and then not the Lost Boys, yeah. and then Tales from the Dark Side, the movie. Uh, what was my list? Uh, the Blob. Shit. What was my second pick? Oh Dawn my of the Dead. Dawn, Dawn of the, the Dead. dead. <laughs> Why am I forgetting my list? This is crazy. Evil Dead Two. Evil Dead Two. And tonight's pick, which I certainly remember, Exorcist Three. John, you want mine? What'd you have? Yeah, oh, yeah. You ready for it? Run it through. Oh yeah, The Shining, Alien, Oof. Invasion of the Body Snatchers, Lost Boys. I mean, we have Oof. a clear fucking winner, I think. So yeah. far, this guy's, this guy's, it's rough. He's rough. Does anyone He's... think that their last pick will get taken? Oh, I'm a fun. Mm. Doesn't even matter anymore. Yeah. I don't think my heart's mean, broken. I go first, so it doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> so Judd's mine's gonna go. I know it. What do you guys want? <laughs> <laughs> the left or the right? <laughs> yeah, John's Kimbo slicing. I'm just some idiot. Like, <laughs> I'm, just, I'm, I'm a Florida homeless guy. <laughs> Exorcist Three is excellent. I hope people check that out. I'm gonna watch it tonight. Yeah. Very fun. Watch. I mean, yeah, it's a. I. It's maybe got to go. Re, make me want to go rewatch. Like, I got to rewatch uh, Invasion of the Body Snatchers again. I, it's been too long. And the thing, the thing, it's been way too long. And it's just like every, as you were talking about it. Like what's great about this list is like shit. I gotta watch that again. Let's wrap this up. Let it ride. <laughs> then we're gonna get ready for our fifth and final picks. I'm Christopher Feinstein. 
John Sachs. Frank Bonacci. I'm John. Oh, let's see.